As for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Jesus makes it clear from the very beginning of his ministry when he begins to share this same kingdom of God that he tells us to proclaim today, that when we follow him, there is no standing still. This faith of ours, this ancient religion, has been on the move for over 2,000 years. And one of its hallmarks is to keep proclaiming to each successive generation that when we follow Jesus, we are never truly standing still. When we follow Jesus, we follow him into the deepest and darkest corners of life. But we do it in the faith and the certainty that wherever we go and wherever he leads, he will be there too. And that is why, year after year, generation after generation, century after century, we keep proclaiming the news, the good news of the kingdom of God. Our presiding bishop, Michael Curry, is fond of saying that we are the Episcopal branch of the Jesus movement. And today's gospel puts us in mind of the last word of that statement, movement. Christianity is constantly on the move. It is old, but it is also changing and adapting, learning and being inspired by the Spirit to take on new forms, to minister in new ways, to proclaim the gospel to new people and in different ways. The words that Jesus told those first disciples and those first followers of his might sound a little bit antiquated right now, but they're speaking to us. They're speaking to us on this day. They're imploring us, admonishing us not to stand still, not to allow whatever challenges in our way may be stopping us from moving forward. Because God is always in motion. And if we want to be with God and we want to follow God, then we have to keep moving too. This is the good news for this morning. And I don't know about you, but so much of what has happened in the past weeks has put me in need of some good news. Because we are in a time when the social and legal norms of our society are changing so rapidly. When rights and privileges that we thought were fundamental to the way that we live our life are changing overnight. When it's possible to wake up and to find yourself in a completely new reality. To Jesus, nothing is shocking. Nothing is scandalous. Think of the things that he did over the course of his ministry. He was always brave. He was always courageous. And no matter what happened, he would keep on moving. And not just keep moving, but take us with him. On this Sunday morning, when we find ourselves in a different country than the one that we gathered in last Sunday, I invite you to take Jesus' words for, for seriously. I invite you to take him at his word and to follow him and to keep moving no matter what. Of course, we learned on Thursday that the long-held precedent 
of Roe v. Wade was overturned by the Supreme Court. And the legal framework for reproductive health and rights that had existed in this country for half a century was completely changed. It was one of those moments when I'm sure you knew exactly what you were and what you were doing at the time that you heard the news. And you probably will remember it for years to come. You might even tell your children or your grandchildren about what it was like when Roe v. Wade was still the settled law of the land. As I speak to people in our congregation, there is a wide variety of feeling. Anger, grief, surprise, disappointment. And it's about an issue that is so personal and so sensitive to so many people in this world, in fact, to all of us. I'd like simply to take a moment in this sacred space, in this holy place where God is present with us, to simply sit with the reality, to sit with the reality that God loves each and every one of you. God loves you no matter who you are. God loves you no matter what you believe. God loves you. This love and feeling of mutual respect has been utterly shattered over decades of harsh debate, of people fighting for what they believe is right. I can tell you that one of the amazing privileges of being a priest is that over the years you get to hear people's stories as they share them. I will tell you right now that there is not one congregation of any type in the entire United States where people's lives have not been affected by this issue, where people's lived experiences are informing their opinions and their beliefs. It's also true that in this congregation, as in so many places around the country, that people share a wide variety of views about this issue. And that's because it is so sensitive and so personal. For some of you, it is recalling the past, a dark past, when women lived in fear and had to make decisions without the force of law behind them. And right now feels like a slap in the face. It feels like the ability to have control over your own body has been taken away from you by the court. It is also true that for others, this is a moral issue of a different kind. And that some people have been hoping for this decision for a while. Maybe not so much in the way that it came, but that people are disturbed or are trying to work against the norms as they have been for the last 50 years. I think it is especially important in a place like this that we acknowledge that we love one another, that we are together in one place worshiping God, and that we respect each other, and that we will love each other no matter what. I do think it's important at a time like this for us to review what the official teaching of the Episcopal Church is. In 1994, at its general convention, the Episcopal Church passed a resolution that says this. It maintains that access to equitable health care, including reproductive health care and reproductive procedures, 
is an integral part of a woman's struggle to assert her dignity and worth as a human being. The Church holds that reproductive health procedures should be treated as all other medical procedures and not singled out or omitted by or because of gender. We sustain our unequivocal opposition to any legislation on the part of the national or state governments which would abridge or deny the right of individuals to reach informed decisions and to act upon them. Executive or judicial action to abridge the right of a woman to reach an informed decision or that would limit the access of reproductive health care is not in the interest of this church. I've seen so much in the news and people being angry or trying to identify the pro-life position exactly with Christianity. But that absolutely obliterates the lived experience of so many people who follow Jesus, many of whom have had to make difficult decisions of their own along the course of their life. I truly believe that in this moment, the most powerful thing that we can do is to reiterate our love for God and our love for one another, to uphold our human dignity, and especially for the men among us to have respect for women as they experience this decision differently, fundamentally, than we do. As if that weren't enough, of course, there was another ruling that came down for the Supreme Court that affects us directly. You probably heard that New York's almost 100-year-old law requiring people to show just cause why they want to carry a concealed handgun was overturned. The Supreme Court said that the states do not have the right to abridge someone's right to carry a concealed weapon. New York and five other states had laws requiring people to show just cause why they need to carry a concealed weapon. But these were struck down. Very soon in New York State, it will be very easy to carry a concealed weapon. This comes on the heels of something truly tragic that happened last week. You may have heard of the shooting at St. Stephen's Episcopal Church in Vestavia Hills, Alabama. There was a parish potluck that was being held, and a gunman walked in and killed three people who were at the potluck. This was in an Episcopal church. Our hearts go out to the people of St. Stephen's and the community of Vestavia Hills. And at the same time, I am filled with absolute rage. Rage that in a week like this, when three of our own were killed by gun violence, that the Supreme Court saw fit to make it even easier to carry guns into safe places, places like the subway, like schools, like churches, places where people should be able to feel comfortable, to let their guard down. And instead, we can now walk around being infected with this idea that perhaps someone or something might happen almost anywhere that we go. The Supreme Court said that a right as fundamental as the right to bear arms should not require someone to have to fill out and get a permit in order to exercise it. But I wish there was some kind of permit I could apply for that I could walk down the streets of New York or ride the subway or go to church 
without fear that someone might be carrying a concealed weapon. The court has said that we don't have that right. Friends, we are living in a strange new reality just in one week. This comes after years and years and years of social change, things that were set into motion not too long ago. You might feel weary. You might feel discouraged. You might feel angry. You might feel all of these things together, all in one. But as Jesus tells his disciples, there is no promise in the gospel that things will always remain the same. There is a promise in the gospel that if we follow Christ, no matter where he goes, that he will be with us. Our task is not to try to push back the tide of history and make it all be the same for all time. No one has that power, no single person. Instead, our job is to do exactly what Jesus said, to follow him and for us to go and proclaim the kingdom of God no matter where we are. Friends, I believe that the act of proclaiming the kingdom of God no matter where we are is the balm and the salve that our society needs in a time when people feel things so deeply and so intensely and where the level of rage and anger is rising, God offers us the opportunity to respond with love. You know that from the baptismal covenant, one of the promises that we make is to respect the dignity of every human being. Those are not hollow words. I can guarantee you that if every leader in this country if every person who cares about something deeply responded to that baptismal covenant and took it for real, that things would look really different. What would it look like and what would it feel like to know that every single person that you met respected your own dignity? What would it look like, what would it feel like to know that your children and grandchildren, that their dignity would be respected no matter what? And what would it feel like in our own lives when we feel lost, when we're looking for some kind of direction, somewhere to go, something to do, to take Jesus at his word and to go out and proclaim the kingdom of God? This is why we keep coming back here week after week to be nourished by the word and sacrament. This is why we continue to pray, to pray together and individually for a different world, one that looks more like that kingdom of God that we proclaim. This is the great power of being a person of faith. Because when you are a person of faith, you are never left bereft. You will always have something to hold on to. You will always have the promise of God being with you. But being a person of faith doesn't mean just trying to make sure that things will never change. We have to accept it as a reality. We have to know deep in our bones that sometimes we will face challenges. And sometimes those challenges will really, really hurt. But we have a secret weapon when those times come around. And that secret weapon is Jesus. Jesus encouraging us, loving us, teaching us what to do, 
And we have this community and all the communities in our own lives as places of support and mutual love, no matter what happens. As you probably know, this is Pride Sunday in New York City. And on the day of that first Stonewall riot, there was an amazing leader you've probably heard of called Marsha P. Jackson. She was a leader in the Gay Liberation Front and one of the people who faced the police at the Stonewall riot. Marsha P. Jackson said something amazing about our role in history. And on this Pride Sunday, I want to read her quote to you. She said, history isn't something you look back at and say it was inevitable. History happens because of those moments when people do something that might even be impulsive, impulsive and the cumulative effect of these changes is what changes history. I believe that the cumulative effect of what we do is what will ultimately change history. That means coming together, keeping hope alive, praying and loving one another, loving our friends and our enemies alike. This is our faith. Now as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Amen.